to church. And welcome all you who are joining us online today. We're so glad that you've tuned in. Go ahead, grab your Bible, grab your notebook, open it up, and follow right along. You know, it's important, I think, even just for us as we're here. You know, when you're in person, you're present, right? You're locked in. But when you're sometimes watching online, it's like easy to get up, and you know, you're doing the laundry, you're doing everything. No, let's just take this moment and let's dedicate it to God and join in with us. Amen? Well, Father, we just offer. Right now, we just present ourselves before you and we open up your word, Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you take hold with us right now, that you bring revelation knowledge, you pull out what is needed in this time, because you know what's in our hearts. You know in the heart of each and every one who's here and who's online, Lord, and I thank you that you bring out what is needed, because you always show up to fill the need. And so we just pull on that by faith in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. You know, as I was preparing this message this week, I was like, it seemed like every time I sat down, I pulled out a different message or put it in a, a different order, and I was like, God, you know, I don't like this. I, I'm an organized person. I, I like, you know, we're starting here and we're ending here. And sometimes you just got to like, trust God that, you know, what needs to be come out is gonna, what's going to come out this morning, right? So we're going to continue on in our series on the nature and the character of God. And here we are, I believe this is week number eight in this series and it was supposed to be our just our summer series, but we're not even close to being done, so it's going to spill over into the fall. And so I hope you're ready to keep pulling, because there is so much more to learn about the nature and the character of God and the names of God. And why is this so important? You know, when you get this far into it, as I said last week, it's easy to forget how you got here and why we started in the first place. But when we're looking at the nature and the character of God, when you know who God is and what God is like and what God is going to do, that means you can have faith in him. Jesus said, have faith in God. And then he said, if anyone says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it shall be done. And he said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. But it all started from a point of have faith in God and you can't have faith in someone that you don't know. Come on, have you ever known somebody who is just completely unreliable? Where it's like, I'll be there at two o'clock and you know, Maybe by four they'll show up. Come on. If you think that God's like that, you're not going to put trust in him, right? Well, sometimes God does, and sometimes he doesn't. You never know what God's going to do. Come on. I've been in so many religious services that have said that. You know, it, it, it's up to him whether he chooses to or not. God is sovereign. How can you have faith in that if you don't know what he's going to do? But that's good that we have the word, which is a sure word, an unchangeable word about a God who does not change and who has no shadow of turning. So therefore, we are not consumed. And so when we look at his nature, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change ever. And so what he said he would do, he will do it. What he said is possible for you is still possible for you. What the end of the book says is what's about to happen. Come on. So many people are like, what's going to happen in these next few days? We know what's going to happen at the end. We win. Come on. If you're getting scared about how things are looking in the world, you got your focus in the wrong thing. I love what jo Joe Morris likes to say. When people preach on end times, people get afraid and stupid and scared. He said that shouldn't be the message for the believer. When you're running a race, when you get towards the end of the finish line, you run harder. 
You run faster. It's more important. You don't let off at the end and be like, oh, well, I guess Jesus is coming back. You don't go ahead and, well, I mess with you, give up the race. No, you run harder. And you say, come on, everybody, let's go, let's go, let's go. Run harder, run harder. Come on. We're living in good days. And if our focus is on things that aren't God, we begin to not see the good because he is the good. Come on. And so we have to have a very, very strong foundation on the nature of character of God because if we don't know him, we'll blame him for things that he wasn't involved in. We'll blame him for things that didn't happen because like, well, God, why didn't you do X? And why did you do Y? And he's saying, I was not involved in A through Z. Why don't you turn to me? Come on. You know, some things that God gets blamed for, it's like, no, that was your bad choice. Come on, we don't like to hear that, right? It's easy because you're like, oh, God's got big shoulders. He can take the blame. No, sometimes the blame is squarely on my choices and my bad decisions and what I chose to believe in and what I chose to focus on. But God doesn't change. His focus has not changed. He said he loves you with an unending love, and he still today loves you with an unending love. He hasn't changed. He has poured his grace upon you that you can access by faith, and that has not changed. And so you can choose to access it, or you can choose not to access it. You can choose to believe, or you can choose not to believe. That doesn't change God. Amen? So what we don't know about him, or what we do know about him, will change how we act and how we operate. Come on. And so we've been, for the last three weeks, we've been looking at our very first redemptive name of God. And there's at least seven that we're going to cover, but here we are on week number four on God is Jehovah Jireh. He is the self-existent one who reveals himself. He provides. Come on. And I remember I was, I was listening to uh, Doug Jones a few weeks ago. He's one of the great instructors at the seminary that I went to. And he said, you know, when you're starting to preach on something and you're getting bored of it, people are just starting to get it. And he's like, so keep going, keep going, keep going. And he used to say, he's like, don't fear repetition. Remember the words of Paul. It is not grievous for me to write the same things to you, but it is necessary. He's like, so he's like, this is not a hard thing for me to say the same thing over and over again, because just spoiler alert, if you look at every book of Paul, he was saying the same thing to everybody over and over and over again, because the word of God, the gospel of God is actually really, really simple. It takes a theologian to make it complicated. Good God, bad devil, God loved you, still loves you, God made a way, you don't have to worry about it, it's not your strength, believe him. Simple gospel. Hallelujah. And so God is our Jehovah Jireh. And we looked at that, that was something that Abraham revealed to us when he named that to God. He said, God, you are the one who provides. And as I've been saying for the last three weeks, I love when we say it, the Lord will provide because it's an absolute way to take hold of a situation. When you walk in and everybody else is going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You can say in yourself, the Lord will provide. Come on, there's a lot of people in the city who say that with their actions and their thoughts. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What if the government does this? What if this person does that? What if my employer does this? What if it shifts this way? And you just say, the Lord will provide for me because in every season, he is still for you. Come on. In week number two, we looked at Jacob and Laban, and Laban was the, was the not good employer. And you would think there's so many people these days saying, well, I can't be that because this person. That's shifting the blame. They're not your source. 
Your job is not your source. Whether your employer is good or bad is not your source. God is your source. And what, what was said about Jacob should be said about every one of us. The Lord has blessed me because you're here. Laban recognized that. He's like, I can't lose you, Jacob, because I know God's blessing is on you. And if you go, it goes. And we said that Laban should have been, tell me about your God. He was putting his trust in Jacob. He should have put his trust in God. Hallelujah. And so the Lord will provide. And there's so much more that we can look in at this. And we're going to try and wrap up this section this week. God willing. <laughs> but the Lord will provide. And we're, we were talking at the end of last week, and that's where I want to pick up again today, is that how do I go from what I have with what's going on around me to where God has called me to be and with what God has said is available to me? How do I move from here to here? It's an important question, right? It's one thing to know that God's a provider, but how do you walk that journey? Well, if we look back with the first story we looked at in week one, what did Abraham do? He lifted up his eyes and he saw the place that he was supposed to go. The first thing is move towards where you're supposed to be. Get moving. But what we ended with last week is how did Jesus approach the situation? He's been preaching for three days in a desert. And I think about that story, just think about this, how hot it must have been. You know, you're out in the desert getting scorched for three days. And then finally, at the end of the three days, Jesus is like, maybe we should feed these people. <laughs> it's like they've been, and they're like, he, he thought to send them away, but he was like, you know, they're probably going to faint in the desert on their way back. You know, Jesus thinks about all those things. He does, he's like, okay, he's not just going to send you on a journey and then not make provision for it. He said, we've got to feed these people before they go. Come on. He makes provision wherever he goes. we got to feed these people. And he says to the disciples, like, what are we going to do? And they're like, should we go to town and buy a year's salary worth of bread? You know, I really love that they didn't say, where are we going to get the money? Because they had the money. Because the often idea is that Jesus was broke. Jesus was not broke. You don't have a treasurer who's embezzling money and stealing money from you, and you, you don't notice it if you're broke. If you got one penny, and he clips off half of it, you recognize it, right? And so Jesus, is not that they didn't have the money, but that was not the route he was going. And Jesus said to them, what do you have? And they said, well, well we've got these seven loaves, but what are these? And so we can often look at what we have right now and say, this is what I got, but what's it amongst what I need to do? What's it amongst the bills coming up? What's it among, amongst the where we're going to have to put food on the table? Come on, every, every time I turn on the radio, I, all I hear is inflation, inflation. You know how much harder it is to feed your family? Come on, I've noticed that the bills have gone up. started there, and Jesus said, you bring them to me. And he said, God, thank you. 
so important. God, thank you. When we're in moments where we feel like we're in shortage, fear begins to rise up. And fear can be a powerful motivator if you point it in the right direction, right? You know, because fear will get you up off the couch and let's go. And it, it's designed into us for a reason, right? You know, if a bad situation is it, fear rises up and you're like, ah, I need to get out of here. And you get out of the situation. But fear put in the wrong direction is not a good thing. And when it comes to provision, when we're looking at a shortage side of things, there's three fears that I recognize that keep coming out. Fear of lack, fear of loss, and fear of missing out. And when it comes to fear of lack, it looks at what we have and says, what I have is not enough. Fear of loss is a little bit different. It says, what I have is going to be taken away from me. And that's what I keep hearing a lot, a lot in these days. What, things are going to change, and they're trying to take this right, and they're trying to take this thing from me. That's a fear of loss. Put that out. And the third fear that motivates a lot of people is fear of missing out. My neighbor just went on this great trip, and man, I feel like I'm not going to be able to do that because of the situation that I'm in. Or so-and-so just bought a new car, and you know, I just, I, I would like one of those. I feel like I'm missing out. And what it is, those three different fears are trying to pull your focus away from the reality that the Lord will provide. You're looking at what isn't rather than what is. And so when we bring it back, to a thankfulness and a gratitude mentality, we say, God, thank you for what you have given me. Jesus was then next able to just, there you go. Kept breaking, kept breaking, kept breaking, kept breaking, kept breaking, kept breaking. You know, I, I often think, where did that, where was that miracle taking place in it? Was it in the hand? Was it in the basket? Was it each time that he broke off? Was a new piece coming? Or was it each time he finished a loaf, he reached in and there was one in the basket? I would like to see. I want to see that. When I get to heaven, God, replay that. You know, I think there's going to be like big screens. You're like, okay, let's dial it up. I want to see this situation. You know, and sometimes I want to see, even in my own life, what was going on behind the scenes while I was saying, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. And you get to watch on the screen. So-and-so's doing this. So-and-so's moving. This angel said, hey, get up off your butt and get moving. We need this over here. Come on. I want to see. How did that miracle take place? It began with he gave thanks, he blessed it, and he began to break. And all you're responsible to is, God, I'm thankful. God, I bless this, and you go about and do what you know you need to do. And you find out that God is able to stretch things in ways that you didn't know you could. When you were looking at what coulda, shoulda, woulda, might be, man, God is thinking like, just trust me and do today. Just trust me and do today. Let's, let's jump to Matthew chapter 6. Come on, how y'all doing? Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. They've seen how the, how the Pharisees do it. And Jesus said they stand out on the corner and they, they think with their many words that they're going to be heard. But he said, you, you, you get in your closet. You go shut the door and you talk to God. And he said, and this is how you should pray. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First aspect of that is relationship. He didn't say, 
oh God in heaven. He didn't say my father. He said our father. I like that. That denotes not only his relationship with God, but also your relationship with God. Now if we think in context of the, the rest of the Bible, he says, hey, if you guys know how to be good fathers, how much more our heavenly he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or I reverence you. You are great. You are awesome. You know, it's really important what you magnify. Come on. It's really important what we magnify in this season. There's so many things to be like, oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. And all that's doing is bringing focus in. And what you focus on, you will gravitate to. And so he says, Our Father in heaven, God, we reverence you. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what I'll focus on the next line. He says, give us this day our daily bread. And I'm really wanting to bring a balance to the last three weeks. It's easy when we start think, talking about God's a provider, God's a provider. Everybody starts thinking money, 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 cash it up, cash it up, cash it up. And we're thinking about, you know, how can I believe God for this million dollars? Or how can I believe God for this house or this new car? And there's been a multitude of people who have gotten off in those directions. But I want to bring us just a miraculous thing to your attention. Give us this day our day. Give us this day our daily bread. What's more miraculous? God giving you enough today to last you a million days, or God giving you what you need every day for a million days? Why do we gravitate to one over the other? Comfort. A cleft. We want to look at what we have in the reserve say, oh, I'm good. I can weather the storm. But whether you got a lot or a little, you can weather the storm. Because every day when you get up, you wake up with the provider. Come on, I realize this one's not as shout and happy dance as the last three weeks, but if you've got what you need for today, you're blessed. There were people that woke up this morning that didn't have food. They didn't have new clean clothes to wear. They didn't have a roof over your head. If you woke up with what you need for today, and God has provided for today, today is enough. Tomorrow's a new day. Come on. And we get so focused on how do I fill up my bank account, and he said he will fill your treasuries. He said that. But you don't have to be so concerned about what's in the bank when you've got the God in the tank, where he constantly fills you up to what you need. Come on. Think of it like this way. You know, we've all noticed that the gas prices have gone up, and when you, you're filling up your car, it's like ding, 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 going up. You wake up with a God with a full tank every day. And so he says, give us our daily bread. You don't have to be so concerned about what the future brings when you're living in the present with God, because as he's been with you today, he'll be with you tomorrow. Come on, I want to bring a different perspective. You don't need to get covetous about things and be like, God, I, I need the boat, I need the whatever. How about just believe God that you, what you need will be enough for today? Oh, come on. Let's look at what Jesus said. 
in the beginning of this chapter, before he says that, he says, your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him for it. And so God is not mindful of what you need for tomorrow. He's, it's not that he's, he doesn't know what's going on. But something that he said back here in Philippians chapter 4 through the Apostle Paul, Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And I believe that's exactly what Jesus was doing in that prayer. He said, God, we need bread for today. We ask you, give us our daily bread. And when he brought the loaves before him, the seven loaves and the few fishes, he said, God, I thank you for what you've given us. And I know Amen? And so we need to be careful that there are ditches on both sides of the road. It's easy to pull off and become so material-focused and so things-focused that we pull off into that side of the ditch. Just as much as we can pull the other direction and be like, God loves it when, it, when you're poor. When that's not true. God is a provider. God is the, he's, he's there for you every moment of your day. And so there's ditches on both sides of the road, and where our job is to be in the center of it. And so when we look through the New Testament, God has given us lots of commandments for both sides. He said, I, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But he also said things like this in 1 Timothy 6. He says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And so he said there comes a point where it's very easy for us to shift and our trust becomes in what we have versus who we have. And so he says don't trust in uncertain riches. What, what, is, what, what makes them uncertain? Because they could be worth something today and worth nothing tomorrow. Oh, don't say that, Pastor Jordan. Hey, look at, look at pre-World War II Germany when they were having to take wheelbarrows of money to go buy a loaf of bread. It was worth something one day and nothing the next. What you choose as a certainty may not be as certain as you think, but the certainty of the living God who gives you richly all things to joy, enjoy is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so this verse doesn't exist in a bubble all to its own. Paul was actually having a whole discourse about this, and he was talking about people who get off in their ideas and in their directions, and he said they get proud, they know nothing, they're obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, revilings, and evil suspicions, and then he says, and useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds are destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. And from such, withdraw yourself. And so he said there's a people that can come to the focus where the only reason they even came to God is what God provides. I don't come to God for what I get from him. I come to God for God. I come to God for God. And so it says it's easy for us to get off and look at things. And I'm preaching this from a position of experience because we've known people throughout the years where they started off with God and it all became about money. And it came to the point where it's like, I don't need God anymore. I'll win people to God through my money. No, you won't. Because your money is not worth anything. We have a God who is infinitely valuable. 
And so he says, they suppose that godliness is a means of great gain, and from such withdraw yourself. But then he says this verse. He says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. When you've got God, you can be at rest. And he'll increase you. And you'll be more than enough for every situation. When we come content in him, who's got everything you need, who holds the, the, all the universe in its place. But that's not to give us the idea that we just, you know, I sit back and I'm like, I'll be happy with what I got. It's okay. No, the, this word contentment is actually a really great word. You interested in, want, in wanting to know what it means? It's the Greek word autarkia, which means a perfect condition in life in which no aid or support is needed. Sufficiency of the necessities of life. It's really interesting here. He's saying so godliness with an understanding that you are sufficient for every necessity in life right now where you are because you got God. And this word that was interpreted contentment in 1 Timothy is only ever found one more time in the New Testament. And it's right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So what is the contentment? That Paul's talking about? He's like, when I go to God, I understand that I'm more than equipped. I am more than able. I have been more supplied because he is sufficient for every day, for every moment, for this season that I'm going through. I don't have to be in fear. I don't have to be in worry. I don't have to get worked up and think, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Where's provision coming from? No, I understand that my God is sufficient for this moment for this day, right now, and I can be content. He gives me my daily bread. I will always have more than enough. I have a sufficiency for all things, and I have an abundance for every good work. I love that. It's not just sufficient for what you need, and it's abundance that spills over so that you begin lifting others up. Come on. When, God, when you understand that God is a flow and a source of provision, it gets beyond what, what can I get. It gets to what can I do for others. How can I pull them up out of the pit of the stair? How can I put bread on their table? How can I say, hey, come on, let's get up, let's run, let's go with God. You don't need to stay here in this pit any longer. You get going. When we understand that Jehovah Jireh is our provider, it goes beyond you, and it begins to lift the resources of all you impact. Come on. So godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with the understanding that I am sufficient right now, right here, for all the necessities of life. Woo, hallelujah. So why would I fear, and why would I worry? And so he goes on in the next verse and he says, we didn't bring anything into this world and it's certain that we can't carry anything out. And isn't that a true sin? You can have big, big, as, big, as big a hole as you want when you die and you can put all your stuff in it, but it ain't coming with you. So you might as well put it to use today, lifting the standard of everyone. And he says, and having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. 
And that word content there is the root word of autarkia, which is satisfied, enough. With what I have, my daily bread, I'll be satisfied because the provider is still sitting at the table with me. Hallelujah. And he goes on, he says, but those who desire to be rich fall into this temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men with destruction and perdition. And he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil in which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and have pierced themselves through with money sorrows. Now, it's really important to point out he didn't say that money is the root of all evil. He said the love of it. And that's true of anything in our lives. Anything we begin to seek over God is also called a idol. And when you have anything above God, hey, it's ready to fall. It's kind of like John and I were talking about on Friday about the story we started the series with, that God doesn't share space. When they put the Ark of the Covenant in the Temple of Dagon, God was like, hey, I'm not, he's standing up and I'm down here. No, pushed him off the table and they stood him back up. And he's like, no, no, this won't do. He pushed him a little harder and broke the head and the arms off the statue. He doesn't share space. But he does lift up his sons and daughters. He does say, hey guys, come with me. I've got more than enough. The word says that he, all the cattle on a thousand hills are his. The gold and the silver is his. Hey, we don't need to be concerned. What am I going to do? What's coming tomorrow? Do you have what you need today? Trust that God's going to be just as good tomorrow. And so he says, some have gotten into a place of greediness, and they've pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But he says, but you, O man of God, oh, I love that. You, O son of God, you, O daughter of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and patience, and gentleness. Kind of sounds a bit like Matthew 6.33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek after God, and you've got more than enough. You know, we could also look over to what Paul said to the Philippians, and we often pull these verses out of their context, where we, we can say it like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that often gets twisted a little to say, I can do whatever I want, whatever I need to do, I can do it. But that's not what this verse said. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so when we make our home with him and we make our place with him, when we lift up our eyes like Abraham and God says, this is where I want the sacrifice, Abraham, you go to the mountain where he told you to go. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can't do all things but you can do what Christ has called you to do. We can pull out the nine, a few verses later in 19. It says, And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that's a great verse, and he will supply. He is a supply. But let's look at the whole, whole subject of which Paul's talking about here. If we back up nine verses before this, Paul says this to the Philippians. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, you just lacked opportunity. And so what's going on here? Let's give some context to what's happening. Paul has just received a gift from the Philippian church. And they've supported him again. He says, I'm glad that you've started supporting the mission once again. He's like, I know you guys cared, but you just lacked opportunity. 
And he says this, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. In whatever state you find yourself, I've learned to be content, is what Paul says. What does content mean? That doesn't mean I sit back and I'm happy that I'm about to starve to death. I've heard Christians say that. I'll just be content if I don't have enough. No, that's not what this word means at all. The word content is from the same root as autarkia. It's autarkes. And it's I am sufficient for oneself. Strong enough. Possessing enough to need no aid or support. Independent of external circumstances. Paul said that in whatever situation... I have come to realize that I am not bound by the situation I'm in. And what I have in Christ Jesus is more than enough to meet this moment, meet this day. It'll fill any need that I have because the provider has come with me. Whatever I find myself in, I am more than able to come through. He said, I know how to be abased, which means that, that to suffer lack. How does Paul know how to suffer lack? He lets the all-sufficient one make him independent of the external circumstances. He says, how do, I, how do I know how to abound? How do you abound? You keep trusting in the one who makes you independent of the external circumstances. He says, everywhere and in all things I've learned to be both full and to be hungry. How are you full and how are you fun hungry? You trust in the one who has made you independent of the circumstances. And I know how to abound. And to suffer need. Contentment. Understanding that I've got what I need. And what I have is more than enough. Because his name is Jehovah Jireh. And it makes the next verse hit a little bit different. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it. Because who's got me? Who's going through it with me? And he says, nevertheless, you, you've done well that you've shared in my distress. And now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. And he said this, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I love that. It's like I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. You were obedient. The Philippians, if you want to put it this way, they lifted up their eyes and said, God, where do you want us to be? And what do you want us to do? And he put Paul on their hearts, and they did it. Whew, I love that. When you do what God's called you to do, you can't help but just step into his blessings because where he goes, everything he has goes with him. His blessing doesn't depart from him. And if you want to take it even further than that, he said, you are blessed. Wherever you are, his blessing has over already surrounded you. And so he says, indeed, I have all, and I abound, and I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things you sent from you. A sweet-smelling aroma, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply your need. Because this is like, he's like, you just were used of God to supply what I needed, and guess what? He doesn't just do it for me, he does it for you too. God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
But I think verse 20 should never be left out. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He puts it back on the true focus of whether you're, you're needing something or you're not in need. Our focus should always be back on God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Father, we thank you that you are an unending source of provision for us. That in every season, you've got exactly what we need. And we can rest and be content in you. We can rest in your sufficiency that is more than enough for today. And in this day, Father, we just go ahead and say thank you. Thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your blessing. I thank you, Father, this morning that when I woke up, I had clothes to wear. I thank you, Father, that when I woke up, I had food that I could eat. I had a family that I could love. And I thank you, Father, that I have hands that I can reach out and help others. I thank you that I have eyes that see and I know what needs to be done. I thank you, Lord, that I have ears that hear, that I can hear your voice, and that I'll follow after it, and another I will never follow. Lord, I hear you clearly. Thank you, Lord, you've given strength in my body and breath in my lungs that I can do whatever is needed to do, that this day I can boldly declare the goodness of God and the good news of Jesus Christ, that in every situation, Lord, I have all sufficiency because I've got you, Lord. Yes, Lord, in every season, you are more than enough, yes, for me, right here in this season, Lord, you are more than enough, oh, for me, yes, and Lord, if I had So, God, we say thank you. We say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be afraid. Because I got you. And you got me. And that'll never change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. In just a moment, our word care team is going to be up here at the front. They would love to pray with you, believe with you, agree with you, testify, whatever whatever it is you need. Avail yourself of them. They would love to pray with you. If you'd like to give this morning, you can do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give. Whatever you choose to do, we just say thank you. Thank you for partnering together with us. But guys, whoo, we got a good God. We got a good God. And that'll never change. No, 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 it won't. No, it won't. Lord, you never change. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Well, you guys are blessed. Let's have some coffee and have some good conversation.